All right. Well, let's turn in our Bibles this afternoon to Revelation, third chapter of the Revelation. Third chapter of the yeah of the Revelation. Verse fourteen. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Seven letters to seven different churches spread over the old world. Many people believe that these seven churches represent seven different eras or seven different periods in the age of the church, in the time of the church. And they believe that uh, this last letter to the Laodiceans uh, represents the age that we live in presently. Now, I don't know that all of that is so, uh, but it just makes you stop and think that maybe maybe that could be right. Uh, each one of these churches, Christ addresses with different things, doesn't he? In every one of them, there's some good things and 
there are some things that are not right except for two of them, really. One of them is the church at Philadelphia. Christ has no reprimand for the church at Philadelphia. On the other hand, the church of Sardis, he has very little, if anything, good to say about it. He has some admonitions for it, but he has nothing particularly good to say about it. I mean, it's pretty bad when he says you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. But we go back and look at these different churches. Again, each one of them he addresses in a different way. If we go back to chapter 2, where he begins with the the uh, church here, uh, the first church, he says, I know thy works in verse 2. He's addressing the church at Ephesus, right? He says, I know thy works. Now, again, this is one of the things that's so remarkable. You see, people think today they've been taught that you're not judged by works. But Christ judges every one of these these churches by their, according to their works. But that's what we're going to be judged by when we stand before God, if you will, We're going to be judged by our works. Now, we're not saved by works, but we are saved unto good works. Again, most people today think, well, you can't have good works. Well, if you have the Spirit of God working in you, He's certainly not working evil works. He has to be working good works. So these churches, every one of them are judged by their works. He says, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. So all of this is good that Christ finds about the church at Ephesus. The only thing is, I mean, he finds one thing that's amiss with them, and that is that they have lost their first love. Now, again, what is that first love? Well, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. now we could uh, go into a lot of things about that but that has to be our first love is God and his Christ that's what salvation's all about is that they may that we may know him as the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent uh, he goes on again and he he says Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Now, again, the first the first works 
have to do with the love of God and the love of one another, right? That, that's, that's what the whole uh, idea of salvation it comes to. Uh, by this, right, shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Of course, the Apostle John again goes into all that about if you hate your brother, then what? Well, you're a murderer and you know that no murderer hath eternal life. And so, and again, then it goes from there to charity, doesn't it? Uh, These three remain love or faith hope and and charity but the, what's the greatest of them the greatest of them is charity so uh, they, they evidently had lost their their idea or, or the the truth of this charity now this is what the James writes to us in the first chapter of James right Verse 26, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain, pure religion, and undefiled before God and the Father is this, what is it? To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, J.T. read to us this morning out of Isaiah something that's very similar to this, right? Uh, And then if you go to the 112th Psalm, you find the same thing. Uh, it, It has to do with charity out of a pure heart, a pure conscience, and J.T. was talking about that this morning, that pure conscience. But anyway, uh, in each one of these, he goes from the church at, at Ephesus to the church at, in Smyrna, and uh, he, he finds uh, some good things to speak of there. But again, he also finds something that is lacking and so it is with each one of this the church in Pergamos uh, I know thy works and where thou dwellest even where Satan's seed is but yet you hold fast my name but in the church at Pergamos they have those that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and commit fornication. And they hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And I'm not going to go into all of these different things and trying to explain every one of them, except I just want us to understand that each one of these churches, they have some things that are uh, commendable and some things that are not so commendable, right? (laughs) Uh, Again, with the exception 
the church at Sardis in chapter 3, beginning at chapter 3, again, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and are dead. Any church then, it, it is very apparent that has no good works is a dead church, isn't it? But he says, be watchful and strengthen the things that remain and are ready to die. Then he says, uh, verse 4, thou hast a few names even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And then he comes down to the church at Philadelphia He finds no fault with this church at Philadelphia. Uh, You know, there is a saying that goes around, it's been going around for a long time, says, well, no church is perfect. Well, uh, the Lord must beg to differ with you if that's what your opinion is. Uh, because if he if he knew anything fault at fault in the church at Philadelphia, it seemed like he would have set forth, wouldn't he? So you know, a lot of the time, things that we hear all the time. Someone said they sound good, but they're not good in sound. Also, the, the people say, well, if you ever find a church that's, that's perfect, don't go and join it and mess it up. We know all this kind of talk, it's just idle talk. It's what it amounts to. It's not biblical. It has no foundation whatsoever. But we come down again then to the church of the Laodiceans and it does seem like that this church more than any of the others probably shows or pictures the church in our day because it does certainly uh, reflect the idea of the churches today, well, we're, we're rich and have need of nothing. Uh, because why? Well, they're preaching a, a, a health and wealth gospel, aren't they? Every one of them almost to a T. They're preaching a, a, a health and wealth gospel. But that's not the church, is it? Well, it's the church in general. Just like Israel, was, the nation of Israel was represented the, the whole family of God at that time. And yet most of them weren't. They weren't anywhere near being saved. So we've got that same situation in the, in the church in general. It, it's, it's there. It's religious. It professes to know God. It professes Christ. 
It professes salvation and all of these things, and yet it does not reflect Christ. Uh, Earlier this morning I was on Sermon Audio and I I found this uh, uh, sermon... uh, I forgot what the fellow's name was. In fact, I can't even pronounce his last name. I couldn't even pronounce his last name. But he was preaching, and the title of his sermon was Hot Tub Christians. (laughs) And then he said Dangerous Waters. But what he was saying is that that the the whole attitude of the... the, professed Christian world today is one uh, of people that go into these hot tubs and he's just telling about himself. He said, when I get in my my hot tub, he says, I, I'm relaxed. Uh, I'm, I'm just enjoying it and, I, you know, it, there's nothing bothering me at all. He says, I'm just, I'm just there, just relaxed and, and happy and everything but and you know he's not thinking about anything nothing concerns him at that point and that's what he is comparing it to and I agree with him but, and that's what essentially this church of the Laodiceans is all about it is they're rich uh, increased in goods and they feel like they have need of nothing, uh, especially anything spiritual. Well, we believe in Jesus and everything's all right. So what's all we need is just to profess to believe in Jesus and then we can have, we can have our cake and eat it too. Religion, uh, sometimes I think about religion as a a great big mountain on one side of that mountain is fruitful and on the other side of that mountain it's barren waste land Uh, and when I think about that I think of the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy and my wife was talking this very week about reading this 28th chapter of Deuteronomy and uh, she was uh, I think she was kind of shocked by it <laughs> uh, and it is kind of shocking uh, especially the first first part of it because God sets forth both the blessing and the curse and on one side in fact uh, the, the, the setting of this is on two mountainsides with a valley in between. And uh, what he's saying is, and these blessings shall come on thee in verse 2 of chapter 28, and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. 
Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thy hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, uh, again, the setting here is you've got people on this side and you've got people on this side. And they are essentially reading this to one another. These things one to another. And religion is this way. It's either all of God or it's none of God. You cannot serve both God and mammon. For either you love the one and hate the other, or else you'll cling to the one and despise the other. And that's essentially the, what Christ is saying to the Laodicean church. There is no middle ground there. You're either on this side of the mountain or you're on this side of the mountain. You can't be on both sides of it. But one answers to the other, you see. Now my wife's always, I don't know how many times I've heard her say about Pastor B.R., that he would first preach the law and then he'd preach the gospel. And, you know, and I, I don't have a quarrel with that. Uh, I, I think most of the time we preach the two of them together. Uh, but anyway, well, that's true, but that's what I'm saying. We don't, though, just make a separation there. We preach the law and we preach the gospel all together it, it uh, uh, we, we, we rebuke and, and uh, reprove and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine and, and it we preach again the whole counsel of God and he did it that way and again I don't have a quarrel with that uh, God saved me under his preaching. So I can't quarrel with his preaching. (laughs) But anyway, the, the point is that there is a law, the law, and then there is the gospel. But, uh, who was it? We was reading something. Who was that that wrote that, that the, the grace of the law? And JT has mentioned that here. That the Jerry Bridges thing from yeah, right. Well, he was he was referring to D. L. Moody, and I don't I don't have much faith in D. L. Moody myself. But uh, anyway, uh, I don't. I know that there was probably a lot of good that came out of D. L. Moody's preaching and so forth. But he was. He was not a preacher of sovereign grace. And so I, I 
tend to shy away from those people. But nevertheless, as we go back to this, uh, here is the blessing that we've just read, but in verse 15, he says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. You see, it's just exactly the opposite of what he said the blessing would be. Now, again, what the, the generalized church today is teaching is that that you don't have to keep his commandments, you don't have to keep the statutes or anything, you're still going to be blessed. Yes, we end up in the 27th chapter of two. Yeah. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law. All to do them. And, and all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. So be it. Uh, so. It's true that we can misuse the law, and and the natural man naturally misuses the law. It's like JT was saying again this morning. Uh, the natural man tends to use the law or to understand the law in such a way as, as well, we can we can hide in that law by by. You know, forcing ourselves to to uh, at least keep the commandments from an outward standpoint that we can hide in that law, and we can we can satisfy God. Yeah, appease Him, right? That's a good that's a good term. Uh, but that's not what the law is all about. The law, first of all, is the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And then, that's it. Uh, it, That's the mercy of God that he gives the law and writes it to where no man can deny it. And the law causes us to understand that we can cannot please God of ourselves it must the only way we can please God is in the spirit of Christ which is the spirit of love the fulfillment of the law the real fulfillment of the law is love right Right. love fulfills the law that's what God says so here we have just the opposite here in this 28th chapter of Deuteronomy and we'll not spend any more time right there but we go back then to the church of the Laodiceans and God says I counsel thee or Christ says I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich now this harkens back again to uh, 1 Peter in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, he talks about us being, uh, the, the 
kept by the power of God through faith. Uh, uh, and then he says in verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than what? Than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Now this is the faith that's being tried by fire, right? But it comes forth as pure gold. He says, though... It's much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, and it might be found under great, to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, that's that same joy of the Holy Ghost that the Apostle Paul refers to in the uh, 14th chapter and the 17th verse I believe it is of, uh, of Romans I think I'm getting that mixed up but uh, uh, I'm, let me think a minute but anyway uh well, I, no, I believe I got that. I believe I got that right. Let me look that up right quick and see. Yeah, for the kingdom, Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, that's what Peter's talking about when he says, though we bring great heaviness, yet it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the joy of the Holy Ghost, or joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the kingdom of God is, is all about. But these people of Laodicea, they think it's being increased in goods, and having need of nothing. And they do not know that they're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And so, again, come to Christ. If you have a burden of sin, if sin is is bothering you, what do you do about it? You come, you come to Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And what will He do? He'll give you, He'll give you rest. A JT will bring you to peace. Your conscience won't be bothering you all the time and disturbing you all the time. As the Hebrew writer puts it in the 10th chapter, you'll have no more conscience of sin. Come to Jesus. So you search the Scriptures, and many people do this, 
They search the scriptures. Ye search the scriptures because in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. But you will not come to me that you might have life. Well, how do I come to him? Well, you come to him by his own power, by his own drawing, right? And no man can come unto me except the Father draw him. But if the Father draws him, then what? You can't stay away from him. That's the good thing. That's the good part about it. If God draws you, when God draws you, you cannot stay away. I've heard people talk about, you know, well, I came kicking and screaming. No, you didn't. Uh, If you came in faith... You didn't come in kicking and screaming. You came willingly. For my people shall be willing in the day of my power. It's what we refer to as irresistible grace. Right? And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw. Yeah. And that that the the precious blood of Jesus, which is more precious than gold and silver, right? Oh much more precious than gold and silver. Uh, when you see the blood. You see, back over in the Old Testament and when God was bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt, it's when God saw the blood, right? right. It's God's Passover. But there is also the, 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 the truth that you see the blood. That it's been provided for you. You see that by faith. For yes, it covers all of your sins. Don't, don't just strike it, strike it on one. No, no, yeah, the in other words, all the way around. Uh, somebody, Dorothy was, I don't know, reading something, I guess, on Facebook. Somebody was talking about uh, you, uh, repenting of each sin uh, to, in order to be saved. And that don't even make sense. But... You know, the apostle says repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the reason I've said many times, you only repent of sin one time. 
if, if, if you had to repent more than one time, then you'd have to have the Christ crucified every time. Will you repent of sins? As as they come, but but you only repent toward God one time. That that one time does away with all the enmity against God. So these people of Laodicea, the, the church at Laodicea, he's talking to, he's and he's saying again. Uh, counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. Then fig leaves didn't do it, did they? And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eyesight that thou mayest see. And then he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Now go back again to the 12th chapter of Hebrews, right? Uh, The Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son that He receives. If you be without chastisement, then you're not sons, you're not daughters, you're not the children of God. So, and then we come to verse 20. Behold... I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, uh, once again, in my past experience, about the only time I've ever heard this referred to, they've preached it as an evangelizing sermon. It's not, it's not, has nothing to do with evangelism. He's talking about those that are already in the church and the, if there's any in there that are saved that are really Christians, then they can open the door to him as he calls to them. In other words, the 10th chapter of John, right? My sheep know my voice, they hear my voice, and... They follow me. So here is that's this what he's talking about here in this church of the Laodiceans, in all of this lukewarmness, if there's any in there that do have a zeal toward God. The psalmist speaks of Jesus Christ, he said the zeal of thy house hath eaten me up. In other words, that, that's, that's my heart, my soul, my spirit, my life is God. If there's any in the church of Laodicea like this, then the door is open and Christ comes in and sups with him and he with Christ. What does it mean? Yeah. That's one whose heart cry is unto God. 
but to sup with Him. Go back to the 23rd Psalm, right? What did the psalmist say? He has prepared a table in the presence of mine enemies. What a, what a blessed thing that is. God will sup with you. Christ will sup with you. Uh, what, a, what a great pleasure it is for someone to prepare a meal and you go and you knock on the door and they welcome you with open arms and you sit down at the table and eat. You see, eating is just more than filling your belly. That's why families ought to sit down at the table and eat with one another. Which not very many do anymore. So we're 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 losing all everything that has to do with biblical Christianity today. We're losing it. And this is just one more indication that the coming of Christ is near. Now, again, is, is God not paying any attention to all of this? No, He, he knows exactly what's going on. Well, is God not going to to deal with the church no he is dealing with the church he always has dealt with the church and he will always be faithful to deal with the church that's what Christ means again when he says as many as I love I rebuke and chasten he is going to do that now that chastening for the time seemeth not to be joyous, but grievous. But afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And then we can look back and say, Thank you, Lord, that you were faithful to me. And especially in these days, we ought to appreciate the faithfulness of God to us that he will not allow us to go off into all of this false religion all of this idol worship and so forth and so on but that he strongly teaches us out of his word and brings us to an appreciation and a love of his righteousness. And we're not when we do not want to be lukewarm. We do want to love 
the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all that we are. We want to love Him because He is all in all. Without Him, we have nothing. With Him, we're rich. May God help us then not to be like any of this in which He reprimands or rebukes or reproves these churches But let us be like the church at Philadelphia where God is well pleased and in the end we're going to hear him say indeed well done thou good and faithful servant enter thou into what? the rest the joy of the Lord right? What a day.